Hello and thank you for listening to episode 177 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave and this is another of our Soundcheck interview shows. And in this one I get to chat with Danny Vaughan about his new album, Myths, Legends and Lies. Now this isn't the first time, as you'll hear, that I've had a chat with Danny. If you're a regular listener to our shows, uh, thank you very much to begin with. And if you listen to the Decade of Decadence shows with myself and Tom, you'll know that we're releasing what we call, inverted commas here, remastered interview shows that we did when we did the 80s Picture House podcast. Now, myself and Tom, we talked with Danny back in 2014 all about his fantastic career, about Taiketo, about Wasted and much, much more. And later this year, we're going to be releasing our chat with Danny as one of these remastered Decade of Decadence interview shows. So please, if you're listening to this, obviously you're a fan of Danny, as are we. Keep an eye out for the remastered Decade of Decadence show later this year, where we'll uh, release that fantastic chat that we had with Danny in 2014. So on to this chat. Again, absolute pleasure to chat with him. These shows, you know, again, if you're a regular listener, how excited I am to talk to people whose music I really love. I've said it before, these shows. I'm not going to have people on these shows whose music I don't like because, well, I don't like their music. I don't want to fawn any sort of fake enthusiasm. All the enthusiasm you hear from me on these shows is completely true, completely natural, because I am excited to talk to these people. Having Danny, it was fantastic. Uh, go, Please go to the podcast notes which is on a website, they'll be on whatever MP3 player of choice you are listening this on. Just have a quick flick and look at the notes, uh, because on there there'll be a link to the website. Uh, the date, Danny's in the middle of uh, UK tour at the moment, so please get out to see him. Please, 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 we always say this as well, and we will never stop saying it, please support these artists by buying their music. You can also support them by going to see them live, of course, buying the merch. It's the only way you're going to get more music from them because money is hard to get. As you'll hear, the troubled history of the making of myths, legend, legends and lies. Uh, it's We should be thankful that this album is here at all. So on to the interview. And before I do, uh, you'll hear on the show, I asked Danny if it's OK to play a couple of songs from the album. And he picks them. And the first song that he picked for you to hear is track one from the album. And it's called... The Shadow of King John. Shit on top of Sarsfield's head and chopping it up his sword lest 
serve the black in buckets when the wolf tones are in town and forget about big money's bait and switch they're singing loud enough in foam and fog to bring the rafters down and set a rock shed off without a hitch when the monster boys come storming down the pitch and the boys in Okay, once again, as always, regular listeners know, I always start by thanking the guests that come on to take the time to have a chat with me. Danny, for the second time, we talked way back in 2014, and it's so good to talk to you again. So thank you for taking the time to come on to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. I don't know why it's taken this long, actually, because that whole 80s picture house thing was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Said, me and Tom were so excited as well, because and we're going to get on to your tour that you're on at the moment, that we're both coming to uh, the Tivoli, our beloved Tivoli in Buckley, North Wales, to see you on this, uh, you know, your solo acoustic tour. So to actually get to finally meet you as well is going to be an absolute pleasure. Oh, brilliant. Well, if, yeah, make sure uh, I usually will be out afterwards but you know it's it's just me and an acoustic guitar so i'm not going to be too tough to spot really (laughs) (laughs) right let's go on to this your your new album uh myths legends and lies now i know you've talked about this a lot and i was following what was happening and uh the videos that you're putting up on youtube as well and of course i know you've talked about it a lot but for any of our listeners that are not aware i mean this is an album that has been in the making for quite a long time, hasn't it, with the songs that you've written? Yeah, well, funny enough, I wouldn't be surprised if we touched on it when we talked in 2014, because that is the last time I remember I was seriously jousting with the idea of releasing it. Um, And then just kind of fell by the wayside again after... God knows how many years of, you know, every now and again me saying, you know, I think I got to do something with these songs. And then something just not working for me or me just chickening out, whatever it was. But I seem to remember that 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 was the last year where I was I was really toying with the idea. And and then it just didn't happen. Wow. So it has been such such a long time. And the thing is, with from the very beginning, all, all of this build up to actually getting it made, and then the way that the music business has changed so much, I mean, you know far better than me how the music industry has changed over the years. I just see it from the outside. But when you went to get funding, I mean, it, a whole nightmare that was horrible to watch with what happened with Pledge Music, not only to you, but to so many musicians. I can't, I can't even imagine what it must have been like for you during that time when it all started falling to pieces. Well, it really was kind of an immense roller coaster because first, just to go back a few steps before that, you know, I I entered into the whole idea of of the pledge campaign, which if every anybody doesn't know, it's you know, it's one of the platforms where fans pledge their money ahead of time for a project they haven't heard or seen yet in order for me to be able to actually fund doing it. You set up a target uh, target goal and if you hit that great, off you go, and I, and you can make the album. So I had set up my target goal, and you have three months to reach 100% of your goal. And I remember saying to everyone involved, if I can just get it within that three months, I'll be happy. We hit goal in eight to ten days. <laughs> and, you know, and, for, and, of course, the campaign keeps rolling, so, so more than, than enough money was raised. So first of all, put me on, on just this massive high because I seem to be – I seem to be the person that, of all the people around me, I have the least faith in me for some reason. <laughs> and, and I was just thinking that, you know, it's not Taiketo. No one's going to be interested. And, and I was obviously dead wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there was that. And I just sat there going, wow, I'm going to do this. This is unbelievable. And people really are interested. A lot of people. 
come to think of it. Um, and then things started getting weird, um, trying to keep the story short. The way Pledge did it, they were trying, they were basically drip feeding, but the way it works is that once you hit 100% of your goal, they immediately send you about half that. From that point on, you can go on past 100%, you know, until your campaign is over, and they take their their 15% of the total out of what's left, and then you get the final funds. Mm -hmm. um, so I waited for two or three weeks. Went, hmm, all right, drop me an email. Hey, guys, you know, hit 50% within 10 days. Uh, that was two or three weeks ago. When can I expect my money? Um, and I was one of the luckier artists because I was actually getting replies. Apparently, every, a lot of other artists were just being ignored. Oh, I hearing trickles from different people. Oh, watch out. There seems to be something going on up there. I was getting replies of, we're really sorry. We're, we're in a bit of a, a financial bind. There's, there's been – they didn't hold back. They said there's been some financial mistakes made by the head office, some misspending going on, so we're a little behind. So what we're going to do is we're going to set you up with a, a kind of a 1,000 pounds a week system. Now, they're due to send me – I think the initial uh, amount was – 10 to 12 grand. I can't quite remember now. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm going into the studio in four weeks. I need more than a thousand pounds a week. You know, <laughs> that's going to cut it for paying these bills. Um, but okay, you know, this is how we're going to play it. So, you know, you tighten up the belt, you see what you can do and all that. And then first week comes, there's a thousand. Oh, wonderful. Second week comes nothing. I'm sending emails again. <laughs> Basically, they sent a little bit of money before they finally said, we're just not sure when the next payment's going to be. Yeah. And I turned to my wife and said, they're going bankrupt. This mm -hmm. is you know, because I'm one of hundreds of artists and I'm a small one, you know, so maybe they're maybe they're keeping the bigger artists happy and that's where the money's going. But that wasn't the case. You know, I happen to I happen to know the guys, some of the guys in Queens, right? They were due something like thirty grand. They got none. Of it. You know, um, so then the word started spreading around, and I suddenly realized this wasn't going to happen. That these guys were lying, and that you know there was a lot more than just a little bit of uh, misspending going on. Yeah. And so I had to sit down with my wife and say, look. We're committed to this. People have sent their money. We're not going to get their money. Pledge has their money. This is what this is the worst of it. And Pledge isn't giving it to me to do what it was sent for. So I said, I can't just throw my hands up in the air and go, I'm really sorry, guys. You know, I don't have your money. Pledge does. And therefore, there's nothing I can do. And I can't make an album. Bye. Mm -hmm. who, who's going to suffer here? Me. You know, it'll be. It won't be Pledge Music screwed Danny Vaughn and stole all our money. It'll be basically Danny Vaughn stole our money and somewhere down the line. And I couldn't deal with that, um, especially in this day and age where an artist's, um, an artist's relationship with our fans now is, is almost all personal. Yeah. Like, you know, of the 700 people that – different people that pledged for this album – I know probably two thirds of them personally, mm -hmm. you know, they're not strangers to me. Um, so we, we basically discussed the idea of emptying out our personal savings in order to make this album. And that's when I made this, this video. And I just felt the only way to do this is to just explain it to everybody, yeah. you know, let the chips fall where it may. And that video just exploded in, in less than a week. There was like 26,000 views. And all of a sudden, these little whispers about Pledge became everybody talking about it. And all these bands started chipping in, going, yeah, yeah, they're doing the same thing to us. It's like, well, where was everybody? Mm -hmm. you know? And it's sort of the key to the way everything is done in the music business is they dangle a little bit of a carrot. And you think... Oh, gosh, you know, I know this is wrong, but I know that if I open my mouth, I definitely won't get any money. 
Yeah. And so, you know, I just looked at it and said, they're not sending me money no matter whether I keep my mouth shut or not. So basically, fuck them. And, <laughs> you know, made the video. And I laugh about it. People like, the, well, you looked so stricken in that video. People wrote to me saying, you, you just look, you know, like you just look torn apart by it. And uh, I said, you should have seen the first video. <laughs> <laughs> first video i was not so calm <laughs> i should imagine <laughs> not yeah i said i realized this isn't gonna fly i i mean i was just calling them every i was cursing them out and just calling it I was like this is gonna result in a slander lawsuit <laughs> so let's calm this down and i basically just gave him the facts and amongst all these artists that got hurt so badly in a sense here's what's really odd about it i got remarkably lucky because I caught that window of time before they officially declared bankruptcy, and I just told all the people that had pledged, just anybody that hears this, go right to your credit card companies and demand your money back. Yeah. Say that you paid for a service you've not received. It's like, because they will screw me over, they will screw you over, they will not screw with MasterCard and Visa. You know, that's international credit fraud. That's mm -hmm. a whole other level of prison time. Um, and most people did. And so we got almost, I mean, in the end, my, my pledge hit 26,000 pounds. Um, and most of that, not only did my fans recover, but then were kind enough to basically re-pledge it, but just send it directly to us. Uh, my, my dear friend, Julie Bootland, set up a GoFundMe page. And she's been helping me with, with all, my, uh, all my admin work and everything. And this just wouldn't have happened without her. Yeah. Um, and people responded. So most of that money made it back. And I also made it clear to everybody that was listening, if you don't get your money back, you're still getting what you paid for. There's no way that's not going to happen. And it's taken time, uh, but it's it's all gone out there now. You know, everybody, whatever it is that people had pledged for has has been has been sent or recorded or, you know, whatever it is uh, that they bought. So we managed it. And. Has it has it resulted in a better album? You know what? It probably has. <laughs> there, there's a certain amount of there's a certain amount of fire in the belly that happens when basically you're getting kicked to the curb and you just go, no, yeah. I'm still gonna do this, you know, regardless. Because and, all this was happening. I mean, this was just mere days before you were due to go into the the studio and that video, Danny. I think that really does say a lot about your character because not only did the first thing that you did was you went out there you put it online told your fans people that have put money into it here's a way you can get your money back if possible and then on top of that you you still say you're going to get what you paid for you know that you have control of you still promise that so i think that says you know a hell of a lot you know about you as a person which i absolutely love well thank you i i have a tremendous value um, for the support that's been given me, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a megastar. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not David Coverdale. You know, I'm not John. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm. I laugh at people about that. Said, you know, people who meet me, are you, you know, don't know what I do for a living. So wait a minute, are you famous? <laughs> I said, well, let me put it to you this way. I said, my name is known in pretty much every major city in the Western world. But by five or six people in each city, that about, that about shows you know where I'm at if you average it all out. <laughs> you know, so there's this great value in, in that. And, um, you know, the career that I have, you know, I, I'm, I'm not driving Mercedes and Jaguars and all that sort of business, but I get to sing for a living. I get yeah. to I get to go around the world and meet people and play music and more so now than ever, play music that people are really looking forward to hearing. Mm -hmm. and there is an excitement to that that I, I couldn't possibly adequately quantify for you. And with this new album as well, you know, for a long time you were Danny Vaughan, you know, the voice of rock, you know, with Taiketo and Wasted. You know, I've bought your albums from, from the beginning anyway. You know, I've grown up listening to your music. Oh, well, thank you for that. And, uh, <laughs> and then so you, we get this new album and which again i do love by the way which is it's given me blues and and i'm getting funk and country 
and and rock and jazz and then yeah. with the instruments with you know obviously the guitar but then piano and violin and mandolin and organ this you know amazing mixture uh it's got to be it's got to be so satisfying um just to have no constraints and, and just put whatever you want onto an album yeah no no constraints and no excuses mm-hmm. um if somebody doesn't like something uh i don't have you know in, in other words oh let's say uh on, on the opening track right shadow in the shadow of king john yeah um I have Elizabeth Prendergast, a tremendously talented uh, Welsh violinist. And I had met her because she had worked on the previous Taiketo project, We've Got Tomorrow, We've Got Tonight. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted violin on several songs. And because of, you know, I kind of had a good grip on budgets and what everything would require, I made sure that it was set up that I would never have to use synthesizers because I couldn't afford players. Yeah, you know that that was part of it. The, the album's got a very, very uncompressed, organic feel to it, and part of that is because all the instruments are real. And this is why I, this is one of the reasons why I did it in Wales and with the people that I did because there is this massive talent in such a small area mm-hmm. where I can make a phone call and I've got backing vocalists, I've got cellists, I've got violinists, I've got honestly one of the best Hammond organ keyboardists anyone's ever heard anywhere you know it's just (laughs) it's just some tremendous talent Andrew Griffiths on on doing all the horn work they're all just just you know within an hour's distance and you're not somewhere paying high rents like like London or New York like that so you know I kind of that was the advantage of me being in the business for 30 something years is I kind of knew what where everything was and how to play it and uh, it's it's worked out so that if like I said, if somebody hears this and go, oh man, I, I'm not getting this. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm good with that. It's all right because it's it's not gonna be for everybody, you yeah. know. And in fact, when I finished it, I I actually wondered if it was gonna be for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! It's I, I, there's a hell of a lot on it, and it's you. You don't skimp on the tracks. I mean, we've got a, a good fourteen tracks as well. What was it like putting it together? Did to, everything that you've written is it on there? Have you got any more in reserve? I've got about another half an album in reserve. Actually, oh, wow, that's good then. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I chose the, the songs that worked through. You know, you get to a point with a piece of work, and you think, yeah, that. I can only go by how music makes me feel. Yeah. And, you know, safe in the knowledge that whatever your style is, if something affects you in a certain way, it will affect some other people that way. So all you have to do is find those people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whereas, for instance, I I have tremendous respect for a band like Demu Borger, I won't listen to them very often. It's just not where I want to go emotionally. Mm-hmm. But Lord knows there's a whole lot of people that do, right? They've found their audience. So yeah. I was fairly confident that I could find some people out there that would that would drift with me on this one because it's kind of a it's a culmination of my musical experience so far. You know, and, and I spend a lot of time listening to all kinds of music. And, you know, there's there's music represented on there that I honestly probably shouldn't be playing because I don't know well enough. I mean, and something like uh, there's a track called The Good Life or there's a there's a twinge of gypsy jazz in there. Mm-hmm. I only really discovered gypsy jazz in the last three or four years. And I <laughs> just adore it. You know, <laughs> some of the greatest guitar playing you're ever going to hear in that in that area. Uh, and I just said, oh, I just want to take a little, just a little bit. You know, I'm not going to go too far and, and try and write gypsy jazz and just be found out for a poser. <laughs> but I think I could take a little bit of that guitar rhythm and just spice up this song with it, you know. And and that's pretty much what's been done with, yeah. with all tracks, whether it be jazz, country, rock. You know, I think there's a little bit of room for everything in there. And, and there are a few tracks that surprised myself, to be honest. This one track, and it's it's one of my favourites, uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's what it's called, The Missouri Kid. And mm. am I right in saying that you originally wrote this song when you were 18? That's right, yeah. Wow. Um, 
it's the first song that I ever wrote completely myself. I was in my first band, and the guitar player of that band was just kind of off and running at an early age, writing some pretty clever stuff. I mean, looking back on it, you can tell that we were 17, you know, but <laughs> but overall, he was the best out of all of us. And the songs had some flair and some style. And so, you know, I'd only just, I was a late bloomer on guitar. I only picked up a guitar at 14. And I was the singer because of basically of, of all my buddies, I was the guy with the best voice. So like, you do it. All right, I'll do it. You know, it wasn't really something I had aspirations of until I started doing gigs and realizing, you know, how much girls liked it and all that, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden it became like, no, oh, maybe I can do this. So there was some point uh, during our rehearsals with my band in, in New York City that I started sketching out this this story because it's a true story about a, uh, well, we call them homeless people now, but back then in New York, he was a wino. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he was uh, he was out on the street corner uh, by the building that we used to go to rehearse in and we'd see him all the time. And uh you know, the story sort of takes you through who he was. But the basis of it is that every now and then we might go into the sandwich shop and one of us would like buy him a sandwich or something or, you know, get him a bottle of wine. We even sat down on the corner with him once or twice. And he always used to say, you don't know who me. You don't know me. You just you think I'm just a wino. You don't know me. Mm -hmm. I'm the Missouri kid, man. You know, he used to keep saying that. I'm a Missouri <laughs> kid, man. And he just, all right. You know, his name was Tony. And uh, one day, out of nowhere, we were hanging with him for just a couple minutes, and he pulls a deck of cards out of his pocket. And for us, anyway, proceeded to do some of the most miraculous things I ever saw done with a deck of cards. So watch, this is the Missouri shuffling. <laughs> and he did all this stuff. Like, Holy shit, what was that? And it was an early lesson for me that you just never know who you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that everybody, everybody has gifts. And one of my favorite truths that uh, it's taken me ages to really understand is everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. I mm -hmm. like that saying. Yeah. And so Tony's story has been kicked around for almost 40 years. And it's certainly not the same way I wrote it when I was 17. But the essence of it to me was still true. So I said, all right, I'm going to keep running with this. I'm going to keep working it. And then one day it'll be it'll be ripe and it'll be ready. And it was for this album. And I put it on the album more for historical significance. Yeah. And then we finished, you know, we we're doing the tracks and a couple of the guys in the band after we were like, hey, man, I think this is my favorite song on the album. It's like, you're kidding. You know? <laughs> I almost thought it was kind of kind of be a, almost like a throwaway. And, and it's not. It's it's turned into one of the staples of the record. Oh yeah, it's great. I love it. See, it's uh, it was hard to pick. You know, I'm, I'm sure uh, you know a few more plays down the line, and uh, that'll be my favourite. And then I'll come back to the Missouri Kid. Uh, one song that put a big smile on my face was uh, "Monkeys with Money and Guns." Yeah, yeah, and that's the exact reaction it's meant to have. It's that. Well, it's worked perfectly. That's for sure. <laughs> it's that incredibly wry Don Henley slant on life, and. You know, there's no question about my, my influences on this. Um, I, this album for me was just my attempt, and it is completely up to the listener to decide whether or not I even slightly succeeded. But it was it was my attempt to hang with the big boys, <laughs> and, and that I mean my heroes, and that's guys like Bruce Hornsby, John Hyatt, Bruce Springsteen, Don Henley, Bernie Taupin, these these sort of songwriters of great depth, you know, staying. These are all people that I listen to all the time and, and that move me constantly. Mm -hmm. And it was a bit of a weird area to go to because, you know, if you come up, somehow we, we managed to pigeonhole ourselves. If you come up doing rock and roll, it's frowned upon that you go elsewhere sometimes. Yeah. You know, sometimes your fans frown upon it. Sometimes the people... You know, like when Sting first released his solo album, his first one, Dream of the Blue Turtles, there was such an uproar. How dare he think <laughs> he can play jazz? Who is this, you know, this guy coming from this three-chord rock band, you know, think he is? And, well, he's done all right. <laughs> yeah, he's not done too bad at all. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and I have tremendous respect for him. You know, I think he's I think he's an amazing individual. And it, you know, the penultimate track on the album, Seven Bells, you know, this, this epic track. Uh, and it show, it's another one that showcases, uh, you know, you mentioned about you, David Coverdale earlier, who, again, me growing up uh, pre-1987, Whitesnake is, is my Whitesnake. Uh, he had one of the best voices. I loved his voice. Yeah. You have still kept an amazing voice, Danny. I mean, how the hell do you do it? What's the secret of, you know, of keeping <laughs> the vocals that, that you can deliver? Uh, well, quite often the answer is by being boring. Um, <laughs> I don't drink much. I don't party at all. I've never smoked. Um, you know, these days, well, I'm, I'm 58 next, next month. So I spend more time, you know, thinking about exercise and yoga than I do about, uh, a lot of other stuff that I used to think about in my twenties and thirties. <laughs> and, but the other thing is, is you gotta be, you know, you always have to be fair with those comparisons because, you know, I've had a few people say some not so nice things about the current state of, shall we say, John Bon Jovi singing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to remind people he toured for 30 plus years, almost nonstop. Oh, yeah. He yeah, yeah. gave his life to this gig. And that was his choice, of course. But I think we all need to be a little more gentle. Oh, you can't do it like you used to. Yeah, can you? Exactly. You know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm I'm a huge when Kiss fan. And I... When you have tell me you have sex like you did at 18. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want videos if you can. I want to know. <laughs> that's a very good point indeed. It is. Uh, but yeah, I'm you know, I'm a huge Kiss fan, and I've, I'm going to see them three times in, uh, next week, actually. And, you know, I know Paul Stanley's, he's a vocalist that's taken a lot of crap for the way his vocals are. I mean, he's nearly 70 now. They've been doing it for 40 plus years, and I'm so stoked to go and see them. You know, I've been a fan since I was 14, you know, 40 years now. And whenever I see them, I immediately turn into that 14-year-old kid again. And bands, you know, it's like, I'm sure when me and Tom come to see you, you know, because we've been fans of you for so long, you take years off us, Danny, when, when we're watching you. So, you know, thank you for that as well. That's job done. That makes me happy. <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I haven't seen Kiss in a lot of years. I'd say it's been maybe 15 years since I saw them. But I was so impressed with the fact, I mean, of course, at that point, you know, it was, it was at the far end of their career. Yeah. And they were still putting it all out there on stage. You know, they could have phoned it in easy mm -hmm. and they just didn't. It was a full on show. And at the time, Paul Stanley was doing stuff that he didn't have to do. You know, he was he was hitting more than the notes he needed to hit for the song. He could have held back. You know, I, I know all the tricks yeah. and he was just laying it out there. So does Gene. You know, I mean, he doesn't move around a lot, but his singing is still spot on. So I always think, you know, we a lot of these we give the we give these our heroes a lot of flack for being human. Yeah. And, and that's that's a little bit of a shame on us situation. Yeah. If if you want to see Kiss right now and you want to hear Paul Stanley sing Strutter like he did 20 years ago, don't go. Exactly. You, yeah. You're disappointed. I, I just point example i'm just as bad as everybody else i just saw uh blackmore's rainbow they played here on on the southern coast of spain and i can't remember being at a concert with that much palpable anticipation mm -hmm. everybody there's 10 12 000 people that just everyone if, if anyone moved backstage if a roadie picked up something you're like there he is there he is no that's not him hang on you know it was, just, <laughs> it was that kind of thing and I'm, I came away for about half an hour after the show. I was, I was a touch disappointed because I expected Blackmore to come out and I expected lightning and thunder to come out of his fingertips. <laughs> you know? He was bloody good, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He wasn't Blackmore of 1975, and shame on me for expecting him to be so. Yeah, yeah. You know? But that band was great. That singer, Ronnie Romero, he killed it. You know, I mean, it was so good. He's out there doing, I mean, let's see, who is he representing? David Coverdale, Graham Bonnet, Ronnie James Dio, um, gosh, um, Joe Lynn Turner, you know, all these guys. And at the prime of their lives, yeah. Ronnie yeah. sang it all. And I was so <laughs> impressed. Like, one of the best singers I've ever seen on stage. 
great stuff. I mean, you've you've done the big rock gigs, you know, you, you've played to thousands, you've commanded the stage, you've been running back and to, I've seen you do it. And on your current tour, which is so different, what, what's it like now? I mean, I can't wait to see you when, you, you know, it's it's you and your guitar. What's it like to yeah. to do these kind of shows? Well, it's uh, it's it's a bit nerve wracking. The challenge is is to to capture your your imagination and hold it mm-hmm. for ninety minutes more, depending on how the vibe's going. Um, and when do these stories tell well at such a reduced level? Um, I've just done a few, and it, you mentioned Seven Bells, and and that was the one. It, that's the song that got away from me in, in a in a wonderful way. Um, because I had ideas in my head about how it should be. And I even on the demos, I kind of sketched out a little bit of orchestration for it. But what I did as far as orchestration is nothing like what Nigel Hopkins came up with. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I was like, Nigel, I'm singing in a Disney movie, man. This is unbelievable. <laughs> you know, it was just all there. And he got to do anything he wanted. There was there was no holds barred. And, you know, Nigel is is Chris DeBerg's musical director. He's been around for a long time. When they did that, um, when John Lord passed away and they did that massive concert at the Albert Hall, Nigel was one of the main keyboard players for that, holding down most of the band. And that's with Don Airy on stage. So that tells you how good Nigel mm-hmm. is. And he turned to me at the end of that and said, I think this is my favorite piece of music I have ever worked on. And I just, I had no words, you know, it was just a little, so now I have to take this, this song that has timpanis and, and cellos and you name it, it's all on there, cast the thousands. And I've got to just play it for you with just an acoustic guitar. So (laughs) we'll find, we'll find out if the story is, is still a good tale told in such a way. But I, I, uh, I just came back from the North of Spain where I did three shows and uh, we did that song a couple of times in the course of the three shows. And, and it just went down a storm. It really did. That's really good to hear. And, of course, all the dates for the tour I'll put onto the podcast notes and onto our website. I would encourage everybody listening to this, if you're anywhere near, please go and see Danny. Please buy the album Myths, Legends and Lies because it is it is so good. And uh, I actually asked you before we started recording, Danny, just but I love to play a couple of songs on these interview shows. What two songs would you like played on this show? Um, of well, yours, I think of the, course. Well, I think the song that I'd, I'd like most to get out there from the album is, is the opening track, which is The Shadow of King mm-hmm. John. Yeah. It's, uh, it's got a good story. It's, it's a typical Irish fight song. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it comes along at a really good time because um, it was written about a city that I lived in for almost five years, which is Limerick in Southern Ireland. Yeah. And it's a place that's very dear to my heart. I love the people there. And I went back, mm, I think about five years ago, and it had really fallen on hard times. Because when I lived there, it was during the times of the Celtic Tiger. And that's where the first time in Ireland's history, more people were moving to Ireland for work than were leaving for work, you know? Um, but that didn't last, you know, money got overspent, big companies decided to stop paying rent on Irish ground and they left and Limerick suffered quite a lot. And so I wrote this song kind of in the, in the midst of that happily Limerick's doing better. As a matter of fact, they just won the old Ireland hurling championship. So <laughs> wow. the, whole, the whole city is over the moon. You know? <laughs> um, so I'm really kind of, I'd like to get that song out there cause it's really timely and, uh, it's just, it's really good fun, you know? People uh, people just kind of get into it and just enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, um, any any other song? If, what would you like? Number two. Wow. Mm. Let's see. Um, yeah, let, well, you mentioned it earlier. Let, let's put Monkeys with Money and Guns yeah. out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just just give, give the people what they want. A good, funky, good time. Yeah. We'll, we'll end the show with that one. <laughs> well... Well, for the sake of the edit, I will say goodbye to you personally. Obviously, we'll say goodbye off air. Uh, but thank you, Danny. Like I said, we cannot wait to come and see you at the Tivoli. Uh, we'll be there. I'm going to get the CD. I Hopefully, you're going to be selling the CDs as long as, the, as well as the T-shirts at all the gigs? Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, the t- CDs, definitely. The T-shirts, 
most everything, just so people know, is, is available online at yeah. Townsend Music, which is a company that I'm, I'm going with that's helped me handle all this. And I do encourage people, you can go on my YouTube page, and all the songs are up there for you to hear. Um, but I do encourage people, you know, that's there to ask you to buy the album because yeah. that's what supports the project in the first place. And, of course, hopefully makes it possible for me to make another one. So that's that's the really important stuff. And also that I've, I've just found out that in October I'll be doing um, same thing, solo acoustic. I'll be in Europe. So I'll be in Germany and Austria and Czech Republic and Switzerland and Greece. And I'm hoping to add a little bit more in between now and then. Well, that's really good. Well, of course, we'll help to promote everything that you do. And on these shows, we're always strong proponents of, you know, supporting the artists by buying the music. It's, you know, it's something I grew up doing before this digital download age. So, yeah, I always say just buy the music yeah. and support them, support the artists. It's always good. Well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in favor of the whole digital thing and the downloading. I really am because more artists have more of a chance to be heard. You know, and it's it's I'm so old school that it really was difficult for me to actually <laughs> my own songs online and go, OK, here you go, because, you know, you're supposed to be so secretive about it. But now we have to approach it from a different point of view. And if more people are made aware that, you know, music, it just doesn't appear out of the air. People work very hard to make it. Yeah. And, you know, and none of that is free. So if you can in any way help. It's what keeps music going. And that's my only worry about the state of play right now is that we have a whole generation of young adults that have never really understood the, the buying of music concept. So they don't really understand why they should. And it's, it's not to, you know, so that Elton John can buy a, a, another house or another country or whatever else he owns. You know, it's, it's more so that artists like ourselves at various levels can keep doing what we yeah. do and hopefully it's stuff that, that you know everybody keeps enjoying that's it it's it's a lesson that my stepson found out very quickly because he grew up in the internet age and was so used to just going click download it's his uh and he's now currently in his third band and he's got three albums out and he's seen the flip side of it now so uh, you know that's it's uh artists need support as well to keep doing what they love doing yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And that includes live gigs, you know? Yeah. We're not too far away from, I think, live venues just installing video, uh, online video cameras, and everybody just stays home and watches the concert from the sofa. God, I hope not. Oh, me too. Please, <laughs> please don't let that happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, no, the whole excitement of, of getting ready, going out, meeting your friends, having a couple drinks, and then, you know, the anticipation of, of seeing a band that you're really excited about seeing and will they be good and will they play this song or what, you know, is he going to wear that stupid outfit that I saw him wear the other night and all that. All that goes away when you're on the couch, man. Oh, God, yeah. Well, like I said, we'll be there supporting you at the Tivoli, Danny, and we, we cannot wait. Oh, it's brilliant. Well, thank you guys very much for everything. It's greatly appreciated. That's all right, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. All right. Thanks, Danny. All right. Cheers. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did recording it. Uh, you can always tell with these shows. I'm always very excited to chat to these people. Even more excited that, as you heard, myself and Tom are going to see Danny just in just a few weeks' time. Uh, the Tivoli our beloved Tivoli here in North Wales. So please, if you're listening to this in time and you're in or around the UK or indeed in Europe, because Danny said, you know, he's got some upcoming dates all through Europe coming up, please get and see him. All right, the way that you can help to support us, you can go to our website, which is 60minuteswith.co.uk. There's a contact us form on there, should you wish to email us, or you can email us direct, which is contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk. We always like hearing from people. Another way that we can hear from you and you can comment uh, and even send questions to us about all of the different format shows that we do is if you use reddit we've got a 60 minutes with community on there if you just search reddit for 60 minutes with podcast as always numerical 60 not alphabetical and listed on there is each individual individual posts for all of our episodes please join in 
comment on what we do, send us a question. Doesn't matter if it's a bad comment and you don't like what we do, just at least we're getting some sort of reaction out of people. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Both of those are at 60 Minutes With. And I've also got a side project Instagram, which is at on screen leg up. Yes, I'm a fan of the classic pose of the on screen leg up. Now, this is the first podcast where I'm going to do a podcast only competition. I almost started whispering then as if it was a secret. as if anybody else could hear me while I was talking here. Uh, If you follow us on Twitter, you do know already that we run so, so many competitions. Um, On our Twitter account, we give away DVDs, Blu-rays, we give away codes for video games. And we know that not everybody that follows us on Twitter listens to the podcast. No problem with that whatsoever. But I would like to start giving away some prizes purely to the people that do take the time to listen to us on our podcast, which is you, because right now I'm in your ears, whether you like it or not. Sorry if that sounds like a creepy thought. So what we're going to do is we have two copies of Chernobyl, the fantastic TV series Chernobyl review on our website, should you wish to read it. Two copies to give away. One we're giving away on our Twitter account. So of course you're listening to this, you can enter that as well. All you have to do is just retweet the tweet for that. It's the tweet for the competition is not going to go out until the 22nd of July. The release date for the Blu-ray is the 29th of July. And I'll probably run the competition for three or four days on there. So you can enter on there. Now then, you dear listeners, you, and I'll be giving this, uh, this competition out in the next few podcasts. You have until July the 28th, midnight, July the 28th. That's midnight UK time, of course, we're based in the UK. To send us an email. You know how to do it, I've just told you. In the header, all you have to put is Chernobyl. Okay? You can write whatever you want to write in the email. I don't care. The very fact that you've sent us an email gets you in with a chance of winning Chernobyl on Blu-ray. So you've got until midnight UK time on July the 28th, 2019, just to be clear, to stand a chance of winning Chernobyl on Blu-ray. Okay, hopefully you're going to hear this in time. Hopefully you're going to send us an email. Even more hopefully, you might write a little something in it. So uh, thank you for listening. And to close off this show, uh, once again, it's the second song that Danny picked. It's another great one. And again, please buy this album. It's, it's so diverse, like we said in the show. It's got everything in it. So we're going to finish off with a little bit of monkeys with money and guns.
Rockies. Lock and load. Ah! 